One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. I am your host, Julie, and each Thursday, we are having conversations with guests on different themes, and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view, and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today's theme for the episode was on science and how to make experiments at home with your kid, but Stephanie and I diverted in a fascinating conversation about consent, resilience, and ultimately, how to raise a good human. Stephanie has a PhD in the learning science and runs the Let's Learn About Science account. We talk about activities to do at home with your kid, how to get into science and finding different ways to learn. She explains what cyclical learning is and how to find appropriate experiments adapting to your kid's needs. We learn about persistence, modeling, what to do when you make a mistake, how to protect your kids from social media, teaching them about content from an early age, and finally just value their opinion in general. I really enjoyed this episode and I hope you will too. If you do, please share it with someone you know because sharing is caring. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. Spotify also has a feature where you can press on the five-star button. It just takes two seconds, but it's super helpful for me. But without further ado, let's begin. Cette chanson. Maman, papa, maman, papa. Hi Stephanie, how are you today? I'm doing well, how are you today? Very good, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you on. It's great to be on. I love talking to people who live in London because we actually used to live there. <laughs> Did you? Oh really? Yeah. Where, when? Was that um, back in 2014 to 2016? Uh, we actually had my son over there. Oh wow! So it wasn't too long ago. Wow, <laughs> that's nice. And now you're back in Indiana, right? Yep. 
back in the U.S. uh, to be closer to family. (laughs) Yeah, it's good, especially during these times. Um, But could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, my name is Stephanie Ryan, and I run the Let's Learn About Science account for TikTok, Pinterest, Facebook, all those. Um, And what we do is we share activities with parents that they can do at home with their kids using things they've got in their kitchen. And we give advice on like how to ask questions. We show them mistakes that we've made so that parents can really get into science with their kids and see the science around them, even if they themselves are not scientists. Yes, very useful. Um, So as I I told you right before, I am not a scientist myself. And as a kid, I think I had a bit of resistance towards (laughs) this type of thing. So we're definitely going to have to dive into the fact that just because it wasn't one of your favorite subjects at school doesn't mean it cannot be fun today. But can you please tell us about your journey because you have a PhD and so on. So did you always have a love for science and was it always like that or did you grow into it? So my dad was an engineer when I was a kid and he always pushed science and math because he knew it was going to be important. Um, He wanted me to be a doctor and he did all the clubs and the signups and camps and things for me to be in those to get toward that goal. Um, at the time I didn't like it, uh, because it felt forced on me, uh, because that's mm-hmm. what my dad wanted me to do. And ultimately I ended up really liking it because it was challenging. I found school to be really boring. It was, you memorize things, you got your A and then you just sat there all day. I ended up reading books during the day and school just was a really boring place until I took chemistry and it was hard. And I had to understand it to get the right answers. And the labs were really fun to find those answers. And so it was about my, I'd say probably sophomore or junior year of secondary school that I, I really started to like science on my own. <laughs> and after that, I was like, okay, I love chemistry because it was challenging. So I got my degree in that in undergraduate. And I then got into teaching. So that's the other part of what I do on the day to day where I teach science to everybody. I thought I wanted to become a high school teacher. And throughout all of those programs I was involved in, I ended up getting my PhD in the learning sciences and focusing on how people learn. So a little less about teaching, but more on where, like, what kind of information do we need to provide a student to learn? How do we check their understanding and things like that? So they all kind of bubbled into what I do now. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, it's a very interesting journey. And I guess your dad must be happy in the end that you're you're not a doctor, but you are actually. You (laughs) see what I mean? It's like... (laughs) He actually has me in his phone as doctor daughter. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, no, that's great. And so do you think that, for example, because at the beginning it was hard for you, do you think that also makes you a better teacher and maybe you were empathizing with people who, you know, couldn't really understand or did that affect your decision at all? A little bit. So I try to approach it from the way I would like to learn it. And I know everybody learns things a little differently and sometimes they need more repetition than I would or vice versa. Um, So I try to meet a student where they're at. 
whether they're three or they're 25. Um, and I do think my own way of working through a problem is helpful. One in showing that something that is hard doesn't mean you have to stop doing it. It's um, something that we try to teach my five-year-old is that just because something's hard doesn't mean that it's not for you. It means that it's going to take a little more effort to do it. And then you're going to feel that much better that you understood it when you're done. Um, and so teaching that persistence and building persistence into the activities. So you can do things cyclically and they keep doing it, but they, they might not be conscious that's what's happening. So you're being cyclical, purposeful, but maybe hidden. <laughs> Right. Can you give an example? I think it would be good to illustrate what you just said because it's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, for example, baking soda and vinegar. You can start with your two-year-old and pour baking soda into a, a bowl and have them dropper or pour vinegar over it. And all they're doing is like looking at it. What happened? It fizzed, it bubbled while wow, that was cool. And then you do that activity again when they're a little older and you ask different questions. Um, is this a solid, a liquid or a gas that you're starting with? Um, what happened when I added these two things together? Do you think this weighs the same before and after I'm finished? And the answer would be no, it doesn't because the gas bubbles pop and the gas escapes. So then your older kid, you could say, hey, how do you think we could catch that gas? How could we prove a gas is there? And your child could put a balloon on a bottle. They could design that themselves, have the reaction happen, and then the balloon would inflate. And so you've just taught the same thing so many times, but to them, you haven't just repeated it. It's not like getting a worksheet question over and over and over. You're not memorizing it. You're just kind of approaching it from a different way each time until you build your understanding. Yeah, I really like that. It's also just age appropriate lesson and yeah, it doesn't make it boring at all. And I'm sure they will always look at it whenever they, <laughs> you know, it's something that you remember then when you cook, when you're in the kitchen and so on. So it's a nice bonding activity as well. Right. So for example, how can a parent come up with this type of thing? So obviously, I know you can help them, but for me, for example, I don't know and I don't remember much of my um, science classes that I had at school. So is there a way, for example, to kind of tune back in? I think there are a couple of things with that. So one is do not reinvent the wheel and Google Google what's out there. Um, if you look up, let's say you have a seven-year-old, look up seven-year-old science experiments. And there's just tons of stuff out there. Mm -hmm. And usually the sites have questions along with it that you can ask or even what you might expect to see. So that if you don't remember yourself, you can still figure that out. Um, or that you can message people like myself who have an account we answer questions like that. Like I get people who submit like, I don't, what do I do with this? And then I'll respond like, or I'll make a new video using their question, showing what happens. And those are things that I think we shouldn't be afraid to ask for help on those. Um, it's okay to admit you're wrong and you don't know, or that it's not your forte. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. We don't all have to be masters of everything. And it's good to ask experts for their help. Um, but in terms of getting into it, there's two kind of ways you can do it. One is you can kind of go off your interests 
And that'll work if that, if your child also has some similar interests with you. And so that's something I, for example, I used to really like to bake and Mm -hmm. I really loved it. So I thought, Hey, I'm going to include my child. And we don't bake the same. I'm more precise and he is more like, I'm just going to dump this. And then it makes a mess and it drives me nuts. And so I realized that's not fun for me anymore to do with him. So doing what I wanted to do didn't make sense for us, Mm -hmm. but he likes to um, decorate the cookies. So I actually buy store-bought pre-made cookies for us to decorate together And that way we're both getting something out of it. It's something I enjoy. It's kind of been tweaked so that I still enjoy it, even though my child's doing it with me. And then he's getting something out of it. And instead of someone crying because there's a mess or being upset, it was a fun activity. And so it's like dialing in what you need and what your child needs and kind of pulling that together. And then the other way is to let your child drive it. So if your child really likes, so my son likes bugs and I can teach a lot of stuff through the lens of bugs. Um, We could plant a garden and we could talk about how bugs are in that ecosystem. Um, Mm -hmm. You could have him learn the difference between bugs and spiders. And so you could have art projects and there's just all sorts of stuff you can do within a topic and that helps them drive it. And they're going to ask you questions you don't know the answer to. And again, that's totally fine. Learn with them. There's no better way to get back into learning than to learn with your child through their eyes, because they ask questions that you just never think of. Like I've been a scientist for a really long time. And my son asked me one day, he said, mommy, I know that the moon rotates and that the earth rotates. What about the sun? Do you know, in my whole life, I've never thought about whether the sun rotated on its axis. I had to look that up and I was so proud of him. Um, and so to learn with him, mm. it was like, it does, it rotates too. And it's just like, you learn all this new stuff together and it shows them that learning is fun. It's a lifelong endeavor and that it's okay to ask questions and question the world around you, which I think is an important skill. Mm. Right. And also, I guess if they don't know the answer, they can always try to find a way to to learn it somehow. So, yeah, it's really good. Do you have a sort of system at your house? Is it like an ongoing thing that kind of never stops? Or do you have moments that you dedicate to learning and experimentation? So um, when I first started doing this account, it was during the pandemic. Uh, My book, Let's Learn About Chemistry, that I had written for small kids had just come out and we couldn't go to bookstores and do a proper release. And my only way to connect with anyone was virtually. And I started to see that parents didn't know how to ask the questions. They felt uncomfortable. Like, Anytime I would post a video with me and my son doing an experiment, they'd be like, how did you know to ask that? Or like, um, what if it doesn't work? (laughs) Things Mm -hmm. like that. And I was like, I think it's the parents I need to reach out to and not the kids. And so in the account, I reached out to the parents, but they also helped me just as much as I think I helped them because that pandemic, I mean, we're still in it. Um, But we sent my son back to daycare, but he was home for 15 months. That is a lot of learning time. And I didn't want him to lose that. So this account helped me make sure that I was 
doing something. I felt useful. It helped me get through it and it helped my son learn. And so it was, it was a good thing that that was. Um, and at first I started out doing very formal learning. We are going to do a lesson. This is what we were doing and it didn't work. And we, I had a schedule for the first two weeks of it. And I was like, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And it just, it didn't work. And I called his preschool teacher and she told me, don't do that. Like, she's like, just do your normal day, let things happen organically. And so we started to do that. And I would be, Hey, what theme would you like to work on next week? What are you interested in? And he'd be like, can we learn about firemen? Um, and so I would spend that week getting ready for the next week. And then he would oh, can we cut things today? Can I color? And it was more, he guided it. And so sometimes learning happens a lot in one day. Uh, he'll want to do all the activities all at once. And sometimes he's like, I'd rather just watch a movie. And I let that happen too, because I mean, children are mini adults and they need emotional health days too. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't say we have set schedules for learning or anything, but I mean, we do keep educational stuff around so that if he wants to play on the iPad, it's a game. It's a learning game. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good idea. And you mentioned it's back to daycare. How has it been then? Because I guess it's a bit more structured. So obviously during lockdown, as you said, the rhythm was more guided by him. How has the transition been after 15 months? So luckily, a lot of the same kids were still in his pre-K class when he came back. Um, mm -hmm. He was not used to the noise, the noise level of a classroom. Yeah. Um, that really bothered him for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and it was so unstructured that he didn't like it. He just felt like it was chaos. Like there, he didn't have mm -hmm. any guidance where I left like two or three things for him to pick from. And this was too many choices. So then he moved into a classroom that was pretty structured. Um, she has four tables and there are four different activities going on at any time. And she rotates the kids to them. So he knows what to expect and he loves it. He loves that because it's a little more like the way I was doing it. But at the beginning, he used to say, I don't want to go to school. I want to go to mommy's mm. school. And I was like, well, buddy, mommy's not doing her school right now. <laughs> mommy wants to get <laughs> back for to business. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I know that teachers, obviously with 30 kids, they can't, they can't let kids learn at their own pace like that. That just won't work, but there are ways to make it so that the student feels like they had a bit of a choice in it. Yeah. But also it is a big transition because when you said, you know, all the noise and the chaos, this is me going back to my office. I'm still not used to it. And I'm an adult, you know, I imagine that for a kid and especially as when you're young, 15 months is just your whole life. You know, a school year is it lasts for so long in your head. So that's why it's hard to remember how it was before. And it's already hard for me. So I can't imagine for for all these kids. So it's good that you were able to also like change him and put him in a in a different classroom that suits better for his needs. Yeah, I think that it was also compounded a little bit by the fact that we didn't share the whole pandemic with him. Um, he was too young to understand all of it. Uh, we had to explain why we had to wear masks because at first only the people who were sick were wearing them, you know, and it was they looked a little scary. And so we called it the germ and we said we had to stay home for the germ and that there was this 
we call vaccinations pinches because that's what they feel like and that you'd get a pinch and you could go back to school. And we ended up sending him back to school after all of his adults had it uh, because we felt like the risk was him not having socialization at that age was more of a risk than him catching it. And he went back to school and he was like, I don't understand. I haven't had my pinch yet. And he was very confused and he didn't really get it. And now he's just, he asked me the other day if the germ was over and I was like, kind of like, I don't know how to explain this to you because you're so little, you know, (laughs) but to them, this was, this was different than it was for those kids who were already in school. So these young, young ones, they just, they had a different experience, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's confusing for all of us. So it's hard to to explain in a way that's not traumatizing and, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. But I also want to go back to what you said earlier about the fact that the cyclical lessons about science can build resilience and, you know, show things in different ways. Do you think it's the same like for example you know going back to school and having different things like how do you make sure that your kid is strong enough because obviously you don't want to do tough love to prepare them to the tough world but at the same time there is also a level you know like he cannot do school with you all the time and be comfortable like that This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I think that in those cases, you can supplement their understanding with things that they enjoy. So let's say they're learning about volcanoes in school and they're really not enjoying that. 
pick another earth thing to talk about instead. That's kind of in the same realm and they might get some of it just in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe talk about caves or earthquakes or like other things that are in the same genre of it, or just go with their interests because showing them that their opinion matters and that they are valid, I I think is really important. And then I think modeling it as a parent is so Mm -hmm. important. I had postpartum depression after I had my son. So I was going through treatment for that. And luckily my person who was um, helping me with that, she would give me advice sometimes of like things, uh, bringing things up with a child, you know, and like how to approach that. And she was like, since you're so anxious, you should show him when you make a mistake like admit it, like I've made a mistake, look, mommy mm-hmm. messed up, you know, and show him that everything's fine because you didn't, I didn't want him to be the perfectionist that I was at that time, like where I needed it to be perfect or I felt like it wasn't valid. And so we do that. We, every time we mess up, we talk about it. And then we talk about how we persisted. Okay. What am I going to do next? Now that I've messed up? Um, like if I burn dinner, is it salvageable? Or do I just need to learn a lesson from it and try something different? Or um, it actually got to the point where I talked about it so much when I made mistakes that he started playing and pretending that mommy messed up. (laughs) And I was like, okay, maybe we need to make mommy a little little more um, reliable in your mind. Um, but it's good because now when he makes a mistake or something, he'll go, that's okay. Everybody makes mistakes and he moves on quickly. And I think that that's important for school as well. Like school, there's going to be stuff that you're not interested in. They're just like, (laughs) and to be able to show that, you know what, I'm not interested in this either. You know, like there are things I do that I'm not interested. So like when my son says he's bored while he's cleaning his toy room, I talk about how bored I am doing dishes. I was like, but look, we're out of cups. And if I don't do this, our family doesn't get what we need done mm-hmm. for dinner. And he'll, oh, okay, I guess you do. You have things you don't like. And so showing that adults aren't infallible, showing that ad- adults don't just have it all together, I think is really important for kids because they hold us as such high authority figures that I think they think we're gods <laughs> and we need to, we need to have a little more flexibility in their minds for that. Otherwise they're going to grow up always feeling less than and inadequate. Right. No, that's so true. And also, I think I remember that in my mind, my parents weren't really working as in like, I didn't understand what they were doing and that you, you were working for money. This is something that came quite late actually that I didn't really understand. So I think it's part of showing how things work you know most of the time so yeah it's really good to to teach them that because by wanting to be a perfectionist maybe you would have in the end sent the wrong message and set high standards to him you know for the future that was my big worry was that I was going to do that and it it obviously is going to depend on the child you have and their personality type of like whether they're going to really be susceptible to that. But, um, like my son, he'll play a game for the first time. And when he doesn't win and we win, he'll say, ah, I can't believe I didn't do as well as you. And it's like, I've practiced this. I've played this game for like 35 years. Like (laughs) there's no way you would have been as close to this as us. And we used my husband, he ran uh, the London marathon actually, and Mm -hmm. he trained for it. 
And every time he would come back from a run, if he had like a rough day or like it was a longer run, we shared that with our son so that he would see that, look, daddy is practicing running. Like it's even as basic as running. You have to practice Mm -hmm. everything and that every day we all practice and it's, you're not going to get it right on your first try. And you just got to get a little more comfortable with that. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, it's true. And even between adults, I think now it's probably getting better on social media, but it's a little bit the same because some people only share the highlights and, you know, the great bodies, but you don't see what's going in like daily and the sacrifice and everything going with it. So I think if everybody was sharing a bit more about practicing and trying and different priorities and this is how it works and so on, I think that would and mistakes as well that that would make a a big positive difference and I think that's something also to I mean it's great that you're able to show your kids firsthand you know like this is the real life this is real people navigating life trying to you know evolve yeah it's hard to share that on social media for a few reasons because you get the mom shaming or parent shaming of where I wouldn't do it that way um, I find there's generational differences in that where like mm-hmm. you get picked apart by people who are like a grandma age right now. Like that, that's not how I would do that at all, you know, yeah. or look at the generation you're going to be raising, you know, and it, it's just, that's tough. But or then I also think like, oh, a slap never killed anybody. And you're like, uh, we have now all the studies, you know, that prove that. <laughs> Right. Where they say I turned out okay. And it's like, Mm -hmm. did you though? (laughs) Um, But it's hard to share that kind of stuff on social media too, because we made a rule that anything we post about our son, it can't be embarrassing for him. Um, So we actually like, there was a picture of him crying in front of the Eiffel tower when he was a baby. And we actually had a long discussion of, is this embarrassing or would he find it funny when he's older? And we ended up deciding that one was funny because it was like a a moment that was funny where it wasn't embarrassing. And Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the stuff that you might post that's failures, which Failure is something that I don't even think it's a failure. It's a stepping stone and teaching them that. But Mm -hmm. those things might be embarrassing for your child. And to post those, like that's, you're leaving them a digital footprint that's not theirs that could embarrass them. And that's, that's hard to do. So I try Mm -hmm. to be as open and honest, like when I make a mistake on an experiment, like I'll show like a blooper or say pro tip, don't do this. It hurts. (laughs) Like I got lemon juice in my eye on accident, you know, and I do this for a living, you know, so like I I try to do that, but that that's hard to share. (laughs) Yeah, I completely share your point of view. I think for me, anything that's intimate to the kids, whether and if people feel comfortable sharing a lot, it's, you know, completely up to them. But I think anything up to them or that could be embarrassing, it's not their choice to be on social media just yet. They don't really understand. You don't know how things are going to evolve in the future once everybody has your your baby pictures. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I like the fact that my photo album is physical in my parents' house and that, you know, not everybody has access to it. So I guess times evolve, but it's, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. But I really like your point. I think 
it's great to be able to share, but obviously there's always backlash no matter what you're talking about. And that's also because it's easier on social media because people, you know, they would, they would never say that to your face or most of the time they would not say yeah. that to your face. The old people would, but okay. the, yeah. So I understand it's, it's always tricky, but yeah, as you said, sharing failed experiments you know you're, you're not sharing anything too personal but at the same time it's also making people feel better if they tried something and it didn't work you know yeah um even with that like I used to have my son in all of the experiments and it started reaching more and more people and it was like oh I don't know like that's a lot of people watching him and so now I usually just do like the back of his head or I do the experiments mm -hmm. while he's at school for videotaping purposes but like he also did them um <laughs> but yeah there's the social media part of all of it is it's tough mentally too, because if you do have lots of views, you also have lots of comments and there are mm -hmm. a lot of people who are just not nice. And I remember logging in one day and I had my settings weren't right. And I didn't get updates that there were so many comments on it. And people started seeing some really nasty stuff like, oh, look, you know, swearing at me. And I was just like, I can't even function because I feel like you've just like destroyed my ego today. And mm. so now I have to have certain points of the day where I check in and I take a breath, don't reply. And but it's it's a different different place online for sure. <laughs> Oh, it's it's really crazy and that's why I mean I think you know as long as it's not anything personal for me in my opinion like it's it's fine to you know have kids as long as you know they're not like screaming at the the camera that they don't want to be filmed I think it's, it's <laughs> fine it's something to protect them from and that's something that do you think about that like obviously now he's really young so not yet but in a few years you know I guess even one of my young cousins has had a little bit of, a, I don't know, not depression, but, you know, she's had a bit of a time where, you know, on social media, maybe there's some bullying or there's some weird things happening. So are you already thinking about protecting him from that or is it too soon? Um, I think it's too soon for that, but I do um, ask if he wants to be in the video because we've always been all about consent. Um, like we used to change his diaper and say like, is it okay if I change your diaper? And he couldn't talk. So we would say, you know, like we're going to change your diaper now. But then when mm -hmm. he could, it would be like, can I do this now? Uh, because we wanted him to know that his opinion matters and mm -hmm. that his, it's his body. And so I remember that one was a little tough with adults um, because they wanted a hug or a kiss from him and he didn't want to. And so we taught him to blow kisses and that appeased them. Um, and it was like a happy medium between the two that we really shouldn't have had to do. But oh my um, God. it was something that made him feel better that he didn't have to give someone a kiss or a hug. So he blows kisses. But there are some adults who are like, no, I mean, yeah, he needs to give me a hug goodbye. And it's like, no, he really doesn't have to. I don't want to give you a hug goodbye. And I am not. Why should he have to? <laughs> This is so weird. Adults need to be appeased because a kid doesn't want to kiss them goodbye. Like, this is weird. Yeah, but I completely agree with you. And I think it's great because otherwise, at what age do you start consent? I think it's better if it's already. And of course, you know, they're not going to reply when they're two months old. But it's still ingrained in the fact that it's always been the case. And 
they know that again you value them you value their body their opinion and they have a voice and I think some people are definitely judging these these type of things but for me it's it's normal like it's this is how it should be I, I definitely know. yeah no I agree it's the way it should be because no there are times when you no yeah don't want to play you mm-hmm. don't want to talk like and you're forced to like I mean I get that there's school and like you need to be quiet and you need to listen and things like that but when it comes to doing something you don't want your body to do or something that's against your moral beliefs I think that you have every right to stand up for yourself and teaching your kid that they can do that, I think is important. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's literally uh, putting your opinions aside to please someone else. No, <laughs> exactly. No. <laughs> well, and then that helps curb other kind of consent issues down the road because if you, they know they said no. Um, and they're able to say like this, this happened to me and I was not okay with it. And parents can learn about an abuse that may Mm -hmm. have occurred or, um, or they know. So, um, there's, um, my son's best friend one day didn't want to hug and he kept trying to hug him. And I was like, you know, he doesn't hug you when you say no. And he's like, Oh, I didn't think about he can say no too, you know, and it's like, that helps them understand that too better, you know? Um, Mm. and, and these are all minor examples, but it's good that they're minor examples where they're learning instead of teaching them at the major examples when they're older. (laughs) No. And it's good that he also has now the thought that it's both ways, right? Because it's important to also teach that, that it's not only in one side, but yeah, I mean, I, I truly believe in that. And I think it would be much better to introduce that as early as possible. And it's the same when sometimes siblings play together and tickle each other. It's exactly the same. If they say no, you stop. And I think as a parent, that's also right to intervene and be like, did you hear what they said? They said, no, <laughs> they said, stop. yeah yeah very important um I know we diverted a little bit but it's super interesting um (laughs) is there any last advice that you would like to share um I think that one of the things I struggled with as a parent going through the pandemic teaching my kid things on my own was that sometimes he had the wrong understanding and it I'd want to correct him and I would want to say no that's not it But that totally goes against everything we just talked about. That doesn't value his opinion. It doesn't like give him any contribution. And it just is a negative experience. And what do we get from it? He won't remember anything from it, but that feeling. And so what I encourage parents to do, and I have to bite my tongue every time and almost, I almost don't do it. And it's really hard for me, but Mm -hmm. let them be wrong like let them have a wrong understanding and just have them verbalize it and say like, what do you think? How do you think that happens? And they'll say some weird thing and you'll say it out loud and go, okay, that's interesting. Let's think about that and move on and maybe give them another activity sometime that clearly shows how wrong that is. And then they can build their model a little more. They don't have to have all the answers right away and shooting them down is not the way to go. So just let them figure it out at their own pace kind of, and it will, it'll fix itself in the end. Um, at home, we don't have to do things the way that testing and things like that are at school. Mm. We can have a little more flexible approach to it. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess a more creative approach. That's <laughs> nice. I really like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so, so much, Stephanie, for sharing everything. We will have the link of all your social media in the description box so that everyone at home can go and check you out now. Uh, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.